RBG reincarnated as a fly. What a week. My name is Matt Sinovic. I'm the Executive Director of Progress Iowa. And I'm Ivy Backenhold, Communications Director of Progress Iowa. Welcome to What a Week with hot takes about the week's news and shout outs for people doing good in the world. This week, we speak with Jennifer Case from Abine about personal digital security and what we can all do during during election season, but year round to keep our um, information and data safe. But we start, as we always do, with what made headlines this past week. And the big news um, was the vice presidential debate. We were recording on Thursday, so this debate was last night. Um, Ivy, I want to just get your take on the debate. Well, I think the fact that the most memorable thing was a fly on Pence's head is probably a good sign that this was a bit more normal than the debate last week. (laughs) Uh, But as far as the debate went, I think the real um, issue that I had was just the fact that we didn't really get any real answers as far as the Trump-Pence response on COVID when it came to questions like, how could the people, how can you expect people to be safe with the guidelines when they weren't at the Rose Garden ceremony, Pence didn't even really give an explanation. So I just think it says that we can't really trust them on COVID, which is quite a shame, especially because he's running the task force. Exactly. I mean, he's the one who should be, in theory, most responsible for all of this, didn't take any responsibility, just tried to paper over everything. Um, And uh, you're right, he didn't answer much. And he didn't, I mean, he was point blank asked, how will you protect I'm shifting a little bit, but how will you protect people with pre-existing conditions, including COVID? Because now they all have a pre-existing condition. Anyone who's had the disease, including the president. And just, he didn't even attempt to answer it. It's not like he even gave a bad answer to that one. He just didn't do it. And my biggest takeaway from last night's debate, and I hope that we'll start to see this in ads or in maybe some social media stuff, but uh, Senator Harris, I put, put it up out as bluntly and as well as I've ever seen it, where she said, if you have had cancer, if you have diabetes, if you have, you know, she went through a number of pre-existing conditions, she said, they're coming for you. If you're under 26 and on your parents' insurance, they're coming for you because that is the, that is the truth. They want to take away the Affordable Care Act, all those, and all those protections would go with it. Um, so I was like, I mean, that was... That was such a big moment to me um, that uh, of what I it was a big moment in at the moment. But I also thought like, oh, my gosh, I could easily see this being used for a lot of other purposes. So that was that was pretty compelling to me, Mm -hmm. especially I just caught on whenever I was watching the debate. I was typing something. And so I was listening to the background for some of it. And then I hear they're coming for you. (laughs) And I was like, wait, what's going on? (laughs) But yeah, that was such a compelling point. Right. Uh, yeah. uh, um, kind of a startling message, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but true, but all but all true. So mm-hmm. exactly. Well, more debate stuff on Monday night. Cindy Axney and David Young faced off in their first debate. Uh, what I took mostly from that was just healthcare. David Young again trying to claim that he's some sort of like hero when it comes to pre-existing conditions. I really liked Axney just shoved down. She was talking about the fact that he tried to repeal it, like in the um, house and the fact that that is protecting pre-existing conditions. Obviously, he's not really a champion for that. 
What'd no, he's him? not. Yeah, no, I mean, he's totally not. It's the same debate they had two years ago. I mean, like, I mean, he voted against the ACA. Um, he tried to pass some amendment that was weak sauce on it to try to, to be able to say that he's protecting pre-existing conditions. The problem with all these fixes, I mean, just to like t- take a minute and talk about like the actual substantive policy, like they create these high risk pools of uh, pools of funding for high, or for high risk uh, uh, people, and uh, so like if you have a severe case of anything and you need additional coverage to to have like funding for that, but the fu- but the mechanism that they put in place was just sorely inadequate, or if they or in some of their plans they don't even do that. All they do is they say that an insurance company has to offer you a policy or give you a policy. Well, that doesn't do you any good if you're going to get charged five times as much because you have a previous cancer diagnosis, a previous fill-in-the-blank diagnosis, you know? So that discrimination by insurance companies against people with pre-existing conditions would still happen uh, under all the variety of plans that we've seen at some point in time, you know, for that the, the Republicans offer up. Um, which is why it's so important to keep that law in place. So anyway, it's just more more spin from David Young. Um, I think people know that because they've already have decided once to not send him back to Congress. Um, but he keeps pushing this. The other the one, one thing I just got to ask you about, like I, I I cannot understand this a bit. They are maybe it's because they don't have any other ideas to run against Axne, but they keep talking about this proxy voting and how she's not showing up for work, like. Does that make? I mean, she didn't miss a vote or didn't miss these votes, but like the House created rules because of a pandemic, which their Republicans have made worse by their failed response. But they created a voting system so that people could, that members of Congress could vote safely. She's using the system and getting criticized for it. So I don't get that. But what did you? What did, What do you think about? I mean, that. I was literally so annoyed that he just kept taking up so much time on the proxy voting during the debate, because honestly, all it really is is she's telling someone to press a button for her. Like, it's not right. that she's actually missing out on work. I mean, as someone who's like worked for Axne, like as an intern, she's always there. Or if she's not there, she's just always working. Even when you're saying that, oh, she's not in D.C., she's clearly doing work from home, whatever. I mean, it's just ridiculous to say yeah. that she's not working. I mean, we're working remotely mm-hmm. right now. Like, I am literally holding a baby that is asleep while we're recording this podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is how you do things now. Like, you have to, to be safe. So this is not like a foreign thing for for most people. And so I think it's just going to ring hollow with, you know, um, uh, when he tries to make that attack. I will wonder, we just saw this morning that the president has said he's not going to participate in the virtual debate. Because it's a waste of his time, um, or something, something, some such nonsense. I hope that David Young will call him out for not showing up to work. Um, I don't know if he will, but I, it would be very appropriate if David Young would tell the president that he needs to show up and and be there whenever and however um, these issues are going to be debated. Because it's pretty darn important um, that that we hear from the president and Joe and former Vice President Biden. Um, uh, in these last few days of, of the election. Yeah. Uh, more stuff just on voting this week started in Iowa, early and absentee voting. 
that is definitely crucial because we're how many days like 26 i think away from the election it's getting real close so it's just really motivating to see everyone out there voting there's over 600,000 people who mm-hmm. are getting their ballots mailed to them thousands already went out to vote so i think it's just really encouraging to see that and hopefully uh, everyone will get out there but you know we'll see yeah vote 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 and we're going to be having a um a virtual return your ballot day next week where we're going to be encouraging people to mail in their ballots do it now if you get them don't wait but uh take a picture of yourself mailing it in or or um, if you're comfortable, video and send it in to us because we'll share that as a way to uh, generate enthusiasm for uh, or keep generating enthusiasm for voting. I feel like people are pretty fired up already, but um, it's really cool to see. It's one of my favorite things about elections is seeing like people wanting to vote and the I voted stickers and the all that or stickers on Instagram now, whatever, you, whatever virtual stickers there are anymore, you know, mm-hmm. um, in this covid world that we live in but you know i love all that all that stuff next we have our hot takes where we quickly quickly give our opinions about the hot topics that occurred this week our first one is during uh, a debate with between greenfield and ernst ernst said sorry my words may have offended healthcare workers this is referring to the conspiracy theory that she still hasn't completely denounced I just think it's ridiculous that she said, sorry, I may have offended you. You did. You offended Iowans, but not just that. (laughs) Like, you spread misinformation whenever we really need the truth right now. So I just think that it was more phony Joni. Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, it's like if I, you know, if someone were to, you know, uh, uh, if you were to punch somebody in the face, not that you would, you're a very kind person. You're to punch somebody in the face and you say, well, I'm sorry that you were hurt. You know, like, no, you should apologize for actually throwing the punch, mm-hmm. you know, and actually intending to harm someone. Like she, she clearly was doing this to appease her base, even if she didn't mean it, which I don't know. Maybe she did. Maybe she didn't. But regardless, she said it. So apologize for the thing you did, not for the effect that it caused. So um, it's, it's just unfortunate and and i don't think we'll ever get an actual apology from from the senator no and the fact that she didn't do anything about it until greenfield asked her to i think it just says a lot about how she truly feels yeah totally um i just saw this this morning um and was flabbergasted and disgusted i don't i don't know that i have a hot take other than the president is just kind of despicable still um the, there was an event at the White House with Gold Star families, um, and he basically claimed that uh, that they could have been the ones to give him COVID. Um, this is a day, uh, my understanding is that it's the day after the Rose Garden ceremony with uh, Judge Amy Coney Barrett. So it's one day after the event where we know that people were spreading COVID among each other. So... It's much more likely that he got it there. It's certainly possible that he could have gotten it at any event, I suppose. But to specifically place the blame on these Gold Star families that he invited to the White House in an unsafe condition, inside, without masks, um, the rules that they set up at their building is just awful. Like it's be- it's beneath awful even for this president. So that's my my take. Yeah. What do you think? 
I mean, it was just disappointing because the family should probably be blaming Trump that they exposed mm-hmm. them to COVID. And then he's just mm-hmm. going to try to turn things. I mean, it was just even let's say even if he somehow did get it there, he probably shouldn't be blaming these families in the first place. He's the one who set up these ridiculous rules. Do I have a mask? He could have worn a mask, you know. So I just thought it was ridiculous. I saw Jason Kander's tweet about it, that he's, you know, pumped up to vote now, especially because of this. I think that is true for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah I think a lot of Trump's actions are causing people to get even more and more excited to vote. Mm-hmm. We have to talk about the fly, right? So for those of you that did not watch the debate, although I imagine if you're listening to this podcast, you probably watched the vice presidential debate. There was a fly that, you know, landed and just got really comfy cozy on Mike Pence's head for a a really long time, minutes. Like, I don't know how long it was. I'm sure there's somewhere uh, uh, that, that clocked it, but... Um, the fly had, I think it has two Twitter accounts now, um, fake Twitter accounts, obviously. I don't know if I need to say it's fake because a fly probably can't tweet. Um, but, uh, what was your favorite, uh, fly maybe reaction or, you know, uh, tweet gif meme, Ivy? I mean, gosh, I can't even... There was just so many. I think I like the one where it was saying, you know, Justin, this fly now has COVID. Like, just from, you know, I think that might have been you who tweeted that. But I think so. But yeah. that's so. Thank you. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, there were just a lot of I good saw, ones. Yeah. There were good ones. I saw that uh, the fly is Mike Pence's first black friend. That was pretty good. Um, there were, you know, I did the, the, the Biden campaign was pretty quick. To, they have iwillvote.com. They have they put out flywillvote.com. So mm-hmm. that was clever. Um, so no, just I mean I know that it's we. This is a very serious election, and it's like a very serious time, and critical time probably for our country. But like it's it is nice and fun to have like moments of levity like that, where that fly could have landed on anybody, and it just happened to plop down on. Mike Pence's head. So, um, God bless you, little fly. I think just one quick note: How does someone not swat away a fly when it's on them for that long? That was just like my biggest takeaway. I'm concerned. Like, I, I yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I, that's a really good question. Um, I'm sh- uh, maybe he'll address that at some point. Maybe didn't know it was there, but that's a long time to have something like, you know, s- just sitting and. I don't know, move it around on your, your head. So, Well, I'm glad know. we got into the most pressing debate uh, topic. Yeah, Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. In this week's interview, we were very fortunate to talk with Jennifer Case, who does digital security for a company called Abine. Um, they run a couple of programs. One uh, that we really uh, dug into with her was, is called uh, Delete Me. And what they do is they take... Um, they monitor uh, uh, data harvesting companies where they where people who buy up your data and sell it, resell it. There's hundreds of these. So that's a service they provide. But we also got into a lot of how people can take personal action to protect their data. So really enjoyed this conversation with Jennifer Case of Abine. So we'll play that interview now. Uh, we are thrilled to have Jennifer Case 
uh, with Abine here, and that's uh, um, they do digital security work and have a program called Delete Me. Um, but this is something that um, that I know that we are all very concerned about right now, and especially during election season, when um, when we've seen attacks on people's uh, um, digital life and, and using publicly available information to uh, to kind of go after them and and even harass them. So. Um, there couldn't be a better time for this discussion. So, Jennifer, thank you for joining us on What a Week. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here, guys. Um, I think if we just want to start off and tell us a little bit about the work that you all do um, and why it's uh, why it's so important. Yeah. So, you know, as as most of you may know, you know, all of your information, all of your data, is for sale in some form or fashion, whether that's you know, your location, um, your address, phone number, all of this is distinguishable for you and it's for sale online. Um, so we call this personally identifiable information or PII. And this is basically just information that can be used to distinguish you or trace your identity. Um, so something that's obvious would be your social security number. That's something that, you know, defines you as a person. But what we may not be so much aware of is your name, your address, your web history, your behavior that you're doing online, opening up your cell phone, whether that's even just sitting on your counter, that location that your cell phone is in is another data set. And that's all for sale by you know many different companies. And it's a trillion dollar industry right now. Um, it's more valuable than oil. So oh, wow. there's a lot of, yeah, it's, it's, it's mm -hmm. crazy. And a lot of people aren't really even aware of this right now. So here at Abine, we're really trying to educate people about what this means and what we can do to protect your data and just take control over it. You should know about it. It's yours. And what can we do to stop the sell of it, or at least just be aware of what is being used and who is buying it and what are they doing with it? So what are they doing with it? I, that's a good question. Like, so from the, I mean, I'm sure that there's, clearly this is, well, I guess I shouldn't assume this, is, is all the things that these companies are doing, is it legal? And then if it's legal, like, is there a, you know, an intended purpose? And then is there a purpose that like people can use it for? I mean, I know we've, heard the word doxing and like and you mm -hmm. see you know some really nefarious things too but like what do they do with this data right and they they do a lot of different things so i'm sure everybody here is listening and, and y'all you've pro have you seen an ad where you thought to yourself okay who's listening to my conversations right of course. so that is a, a common common thing. Um, marketers are buying this just to serve you targeted ads. And honestly, it's convenient, right? If you're an avid skier, it's kind of nice to see ads for ski slopes or discounts for lift tickets. I want to see that information. I, in a way, I like that, right? And that's not really the issue at hand here. The issue is we just don't have any say in this whatsoever. It is completely legal. There are very few laws and very few regulations here in the states for this data. Um, California 
you know, a couple years ago did release a law to kind of help control this data, but it still doesn't go far enough and not many people are taking advantage of it. So, you know, ads, email campaigns, everybody gets robo-dialer calls. So those are another way that it's being used. Um, this is a huge election year. I'm sure people are getting text messages or um, mailers for voting, whichever way they vote. That's another way that that data is being used and purchased. And then of course you do have your doxing, your stalkers, your identity thefts. Um, have you guys heard of swatting? No, I'm, no, I'm, I'm afraid to ask almost. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a more recent one where somebody will find your address um, and they will call in a fake police report and say there's you know a criminal or this person has harassed me can you what? please go to their house yeah so that's another way that they can use your information against you um, and it's all out there and available that's really helpful because I think a lot of people don't really understand that they are at risk because even myself in the past have thought, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. What's the problem with my data being out there? Could you maybe go into that a little bit more like oh, why yeah, people should yeah. be aware of this? Absolutely. So it's not about being scared that your information is out there. I'm not saying delete everything, get rid of your phone, get rid of social media. That's not really what we're what we're really concerned about. And why we should care isn't because we're criminals, right? It's it's likely that you're not. But it's the same reason that we have blinds or curtains on our windows at home. We really just enjoy our freedom and privacy. And we don't shut our blinds in the day or at night to say, oh, don't look in my house because I have a meth lab in here. We shut them because we have we want to choose when we have privacy. We like to control when we're seen or when we're not seen. And that same privacy isn't afforded to the web right now. So all of our personal information is there. It's the window of us on the internet. We have no idea who's looking in the window and when they are. And as this information becomes more available and as we figure out that people are looking at us, we might start to filter our web activity in in fear that people are watching us at all times. And so we don't know we don't know who's who's doing that and our health insurance company is going to start, you know, searching for our information and denying claims because we posted something on Twitter saying that we weren't sick and we claimed that we were or um, you know, mental health issues. This person doesn't seem depressed. I'm not going to um, I'm not going to approve their therapy sessions. So we don't know how this is going to be used against us because we don't know who's using it and what they're seeing right now. So what, I mean, what can we do? Um, I mean, I, like what, uh, I know you all have a, a couple of different services and I've looked at just mm -hmm. a, a little bit, the delete me and blur uh, service. Maybe you can talk about that, but, but really like, what are, if someone's listening right now and we've really, you know, terrified them appropriately here um, and they want to do something right now, what what can they do? Yeah, there are a few things that you can do right now today to help protect your data. Um, and these are all optional. If you don't care about it, it's just we're here to educate you. We're not here to scare you, right? Sure. Um, so I recommend ad blockers 
I recommend tracker blockers. I know that if you're an Apple user, Safari just released an update where they're actually blocking cross-tracking, which is where websites speak to each other and they might figure out, oh, this person clicked on this merchant website. Let's show them an ad on this other website completely unrelated because they've clicked here. So blocking that is really important. Um, virtual credit cards. I uh, highly recommend those. Apple Pay, Google Pay, those already have um, that built in, but masked credit cards are going to be a huge thing. Um, so we're using technology to save us from technology here. So I, I want to make sure that I'm saying, you know, don't be scared of technology. It's probably going to be the one to help us moving forward. Um, another really great thing to help kind of remain anonymous is using search engines like DuckDuckGo. They also have okay. a browser and an app for your phone. Um, I use DuckDuckGo right now. I recommend it. Not affiliated with them whatsoever, but it's a really great service. They have an awesome privacy policy. You don't have to opt in or out of anything. It's that's their that's their mission, sort of. You know, like ours here at Abine, we have the same sort of values. Um, and removing your information. So our service, Delete Me, we remove your information from the various data brokers out there. Um, you know, like White Pages, Spokio. Those are just a few examples. So removing your address. And then finally, the last thing that we can all do is ask our representatives to pass stricter privacy laws. Um, it's a bipartisan issue right now. People on both sides of the aisle are bringing this up um, on a state level, but until it's a federal law, our information isn't being controlled by us right now. It's being controlled by you know, the trillion dollar data broker industry. And is that the biggest change that needs to happen at a policy level, like making sure that we have the right to control our own data? Is that, I mean, I, that's probably way oversimplifying it, but is that like right now, anyone, if it's out there publicly, there's no reason a company can't buy it up, right? Or is exactly. that why, is that, okay. Yep, it's 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 for sale by the some of the largest companies are buying this, you know, companies like Epsilon, Blackbaud, Oracle, they all have data available for sale and we don't know what they have for sale. So we need regulations around this. We need to have consumer rights. We need to be able to request what information is out there about us and what we can do, how to get it removed if we want that. That needs to be just a fundamental right that we have as consumers. And going on a little bit about that, like with the government taking action, this is a little off topic, but it kind of relates because I'm just genuinely curious. There's been a lot of talk about TikTok lately. Do you have any like um, thoughts on that? Because as someone who personally uses TikTok, I'm just wondering, like, are these gen like actual concerns that we should be more concerned with TikTok than with Facebook or something like that? Absolutely. Uh, TikTok is is an interesting one because it isn't a U.S. company um, and they have been known to be violating the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act um, just because they're collecting personal information about children. Um, so I don't personally use TikTok, um, but I, I know that it's, it's a big one and I'm 
I believe that it's banned as of last week um, for violating privacy laws, which is it's a new thing for us, right? We, we, we're, we're bringing out TikTok in the news, but I think that the, personally, I think that the issue is much, much larger than TikTok. Um, while I definitely, you know, I, it's violating children's laws, that's, that's gross for all of us, but what about all the other data brokers and companies who have much more, you know, finite information on us and can really pinpoint us as people, they know, they probably know exactly what you're doing right now, just based on our behaviors. And I think that to me is a little bit scarier than TikTok, um, but it's definitely a concern. All of it's a concern, I believe. Yeah. And especially, I know a lot of people are more concerned about information and definitely misinformation because we're so mm. close to the election. What do you think people should really be on the lookout for as far as misinformation goes? Yeah, I mean, you you need to be aware that probably a lot of the the news that you're getting, especially on social media that we're all visiting, is very custom for you. So if you are a liberal-sided person, you're going to be getting news and information that really cater to your news preferences. Um, so I, I really recommend using going directly to news sources i love like the newswire um i love going to that i love going to npr new york times stuff that's right down the middle um just because if you're only getting your news from from facebook or twitter or any of your social media profiles you're probably only seeing one side of the story and i and while you know right now things are extremely polarized and divided really seeing both sides right now is extremely important because because these websites want you to interact with them and and they want you to continue to visit they're only showing us stuff that we want to see and i think that that's just not healthy for us as consumers so just be on the lookout um you know visit websites that you might not visit i like to go to you know fox news every now and then to see what's what's happening there and and what are they what are they talking about versus what is CNN talking about? No, no, I got to draw the line somewhere. No, not happening. <laughs> Just kidding. You don't uh, have to, but I, <laughs> I, I like to see what the other side's thinking, right? Of course. What's, of course. what's on their, yeah. what's on their mind. That's a really good tip though. Like going directly to the website itself rather than getting the curated like feed from wherever, whatever social media that's yeah. Um, that's really helpful. Um, well, is there, before we let you go, is there anything else that you'd want to share? We have just a few days left in, or, or just a few short, uh, just a short amount of time left in this election um, um, that people should be, yeah, um, be aware of or, or anything, any parting thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you know, guys, this is a huge year for an election. Um, this is an, another time that another data point, right? An election year is a huge time for data. Um, that's when data brokers are getting more information than ever on you based on your, your voter registration, just checking if you're registered to vote. Um, registering to vote can put your information on different websites. Um, but honestly, my last parting thought would be vote. <laughs> Not only do we have so much on the line this year, we have data privacy laws that I think will be passed next year, depending on 
who's in office. So I really, really, really encourage everyone to vote, to contact your representatives, to make this something that we all care about because this is something that affects every single person, whether you're Republican, independent, Democrat, it affects us all. We're all consumers. So please vote and please, please, please contact your representatives and tell them we want privacy laws. Okay, we will. And uh, we'll definitely be pushing people to to turn out and vote and uh, would love for you to share some more information with us about um, what laws are being discussed right now so that maybe we can put those links up and uh, when we when we uh, when the episode goes live. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Okay, Jennifer Case with Abine, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, guys. Next, we have our shout outs where we lift up great work happening all over the state. If you have any, please send us recommendations to at Progress Iowa or at Potluck FM. Um, this shout out this week, we talked about this a little bit, but we just really want to shout out the over 600,000 Iowans who've already requested an absentee ballot and the thousands who have already voted early. Uh, we also want to thank the Iowans who sh already shared their photos of their voting experience with us, like Jesse Stoll. Uh, your voting experience can also be featured on all our social media, like Matt said, by just taking a photo or video, tagging us at Progress Iowa, and using the hashtag IAVotes. Uh, we're less than a month away, so just make sure to vote now. What a Week is produced by Progress Iowa as part of the Potluck Media Network and would not be possible without grassroots supporters like you. We are mixed and edited by Greg Allenstein. For more information, visit potluck.fm. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to leave us a five-star review and subscribe. See you next week on What a Week. Thank you.